Incongruous, a podcast from Tim Wills. Good day, and I hope it's about to get a little better with some mind food. With any luck, something new and a bit offbeat. Perhaps something for you to mull over. Maybe even making some connections with your own personal experience. Today, deprivations of privilege. I've been asked to give more details about me and where some of the thinking behind these podcasts come from, but since I went through the English education system, to talk just about me would be immodest, if not downright egotistical. So I'll try to weave some bits of the story into different podcasts. Now my triplets left for university last year, leaving me alone in a big house with a big dog. So I'm going through an empty nest reset. It's not a crisis, nor was the decision to buy a motorbike a few years ago. It's more a re-evaluation. And I've ended up doing lots of yoga. Mens sana in corpore sano, as they might say in private school. A healthy mind in a healthy body. And yoga has led to me thinking about me and emotions. So the strange thing is why this is happening now and why I've felt so uncomfortable thinking about emotions for the last few decades. Here in rural Italy, it's a perfectly normal thing, getting emotional. And for other people, the, my relative lack of emotions seems a bit strange. For instance, I'm happy speaking to my kids when they call me, which is every few weeks. But such infrequent contact seems particularly odd to English friends, and positively neglectful to Italians. So I have to ask why. A little light comes from some introspective reflections and explaining myself to Italians, and that involves describing the seemingly privileged upbringing of an English boy going through the public school system. Now, as you probably know, the term public school is an outright lie. They're private, fee-paying schools. And the fees, which can be pretty high, are expected to produce a better education for the offspring. They pay for smaller classes, better quality teachers and more facilities. My school had a theatre, a shooting range, tennis and squash courts, along with sports rarely played outside the public school like fives and rackets, and all sorts of things to make you ready to compete in the Olympic Games. There were lots of opportunities to find something we enjoyed, or even excelled at. My grandfather went to a very posh school, which seems to have taught him how to get through the fortune left him by his grandfather. And back in the 1930s, the children were an acceptable sideline, so for him, every evening, the nanny presented his three boys to their parents for half an hour before dinner. And when my father was nine, he was told he was in charge of his two younger brothers and they were put on a boat to Australia for the duration of the war. And when the war was over, father was sent to public school, well away from home. So it was only natural that his offspring would go as well. I left home a few weeks after my eighth birthday for a boarding school in Hertfordshire, about 30 kilometres from where we lived. It was very respectable and set in a massive old country house where about a hundred boys slept in some dozen dormitories. These dormitories were all named after ships, like Golden Hind and Dreadnought and Temeraire. All good patriotic stuff for raising chaps to run the empire, which of course was rapidly evaporating at the time, but education is always behind the times. 
Since all the other pupils at the school had also left home, for us this life was normal. Of course the education was supposed to be superior, since parents were paying handsomely for the sacrifice of not seeing their children for three-fifths of the year. And I'm not totally certain if some parents were paying more to not see their offspring than to ensure a better education. My parents had recently divorced and both had moved further from the school, so my brother and I saw them for big events like holidays and sometimes a prize-giving. Certainly not every time we played for the school at some healthy sport that always seemed to involve pain. And every Saturday morning, us pupils would sit down and write letters to the family, and we'd get letters back every so often, maybe even as much as once a week. So contact with the family was pretty infrequent. At school, along with Latin, trigonometry, cricket and other essential skills, we learnt solid British values, reflecting our duty to Queen and country. Now these values I'm hoping to cover in a separate podcast on how much we've been programmed or domesticated, but the fodder on offer today is narrower. It's the surprise, if not shock, of realising how much I was programmed not only with beliefs, but also with an emotional temperament to be able to execute those beliefs. At the tender age of 61, I started describing the personal journey into understanding my emotional makeup to my daughter, noting how much I was conditioned at private school. She said there's now a recognised public school syndrome. Now I'm normally edgy about looking at syndromes. For me it's similar to astrology, where some general description can be an excuse for people to justify their actions. Or even worse, to think that the description should cover everything they are and force themselves into a mould. It would be rare for a syndrome or an astrological sign to describe someone accurately, let alone exactly. But I had a look at this relatively new idea of public school syndrome and it rang a lot of bells. It's not an excuse for my emotional backwardness, but was very useful to understand a lot of stuff. Taking a young child away from their family will obviously affect their development, but for private school children this was described as a privilege. Put in a male, competitive environment, you instinctively hone your survival skills. As a new boy, you start at the bottom of the pile and you find ways to avoid being singled out or picked on. My first private school was a prep or preparatory school. These take children from 8 to 13, preparing them to move on to public school proper where they spend most of their teens. To avoid being picked on, you don't want to show weakness, so you become self-reliant, resilient to pain and emotionally restrained. You're uncomfortable asking for help and end up being proud of your endurance. Another effect that seems typical of male-dominated societies is to assume high moral values, which helps avoid criticism. All this seems perfect for future administrators of a far-flung empire. You need to be reliable and self-reliant, a good chap. Since we're now well into the 21st century with teamwork and instant communication, such characteristics could now be weaknesses at work. On the private side, public schoolboys from back then seem to rarely cry or show their feelings. They tend to cope alone and shut down if there are emotional problems. 
They often prefer to be always busy, need structure, and find it difficult to relax, relax. Rather, they have a pastime, like a sport where they're a participant or a spectator. And sometimes there's a feeling of fitting in everywhere but belonging nowhere. And of course, consciously or subconsciously, constantly seeking love and approval. Now, some of these fit me, but it's too easy to find an excuse for what we do, and we're all multifaceted creatures. Some of these characteristics are also more or less important or evident at different times in our lives. They can also be very useful for some people at times, especially when you need to be self-reliant and adaptable, though that can be seen as arrogant or patronising. It was only at 60 that I started to realise that despite the education, the social connections and the cachet, the privilege of going to private school also carried developmental disadvantages. What was perfect for creating expat managers could be character defects in the modern era, and we've learnt a lot about how repressing emotions can lead to unusual and often unwanted behaviour. So my kids had to put up with such stuff. Hopefully, though, this has had less effect on them than it did on me, and with each generation the world's becoming a better place. Maybe that's why I like working towards making a brighter future for the next generation. Hopefully it'll help. And hopefully this chatter provided a little mind food, understanding that privilege may have its costs, that weird behaviour from the previous generation may not be voluntary. And maybe you can think of behaviour the young of today are being programmed with to cope with the past world their parents and teachers lived through. Meanwhile, I hope you have a wonderful day, and with any luck I'll do the next podcast a little sooner. Copyright Tim Wills 2019. For comments, tim at timwills.com. And may the sun shine on your vegetable garden. <laughs>